once again, we'll be using the second service recording for the uh, streaming audio. Some people never get that. They never get that life is all about relationships, so they get it too late, and they miss out on so much because our understanding and enjoyment of life depends on the quality of our relationships. Without question, we know this to be true, that the happiest people we know are, are the people who are in the happiest relationships. The best relationships, the ones that are stable and strong and satisfying, have three things in common. First of all, we have to be sure that we have a relationship. We have to be sure that a relationship exists. There's a difference, isn't there, between an acquaintance and a friend? There's a difference between a girlfriend and a wife. Men, pay attention. There's a difference between a team member and a teammate. In any relationship, we've got to be sure that we really do have a relationship. And then we have to be safe in that relationship. We've got to know that the other person in the relationship has our best interest at heart. We've got to know that that friend is truly committed to us. We've got to know that our wife or our husband is totally faithful to us. We've got to know that when the chips are down, that our teammate will have our back. And then finally, we have to be secure in that relationship. We've got to know that no matter what happens, good or bad, our friend will always be our friend. We've got to know that, again, no matter what happens, good or bad, rich or poor, sickness and in health, better or worse, our spouse will be there till when? Till death do us part. We've got to know that whether we win or lose, that teammate will be our teammate. And then don't miss this. The quality, the depth of the most significant, the most important relationship we will ever have, our relationship with God, depends on those same three things. That relationship depends on being sure and safe and secure. Today we, we finish up a series of messages called Saved. We've been talking about what it means to have a true relationship with God, what the Bible calls salvation. What does it mean for us to have salvation? And we've talked about um, the necessity of being born again because we can't have a relationship with God until we are born again into His family. And we've also talked about being sure that we really were or really are born again, being sure beyond any doubt that we have that relationship with God. I want to tell you, the most miserable person in the church is not the person who doesn't have God, it's the person who does have God and isn't sure of it. So today we're going to take a closer look at the security of our relationship with God. Uh, specifically, we're going to look at eternal security. You see, it's one thing to know we have a relationship with God today, but can we know that we will have a relationship with Him forever? Is our relationship with God permanent, or is it conditional? Let me formally state what we want to examine this way, and I 
first heard this from Pastor Chuck Swindoll some years ago. Here's the question. Once a person has been born again into the family of God, received new life, a new nature, been justified and sealed by the Holy Spirit, can that individual ever become unsaved by sinning, ceasing to believe, or by any other cause? In other words, is salvation something that we can lose after we receive it, or is it something that once we get it, we keep it forever? Now, I want to make sure that we're on the same page as much as possible, as much as we can be. I want us to assume three things. When we ask the question, can a follower of Christ ever lose their salvation? Three assumptions can help us frame that question. First of all, let's assume that we're talking about a person who really, truly has been born again. I'm not talking about someone who says they've been born again, right? Somebody who, um, who raised their hand one time or walked down an aisle or said a prayer or joined a church, or got baptized, or, or does good works, or gives money. I'm not talking about someone who professes salvation. I'm talking about someone who really possesses salvation. The second assumption is that we're dealing with eternal security, not temporary sin. Even the best followers of Christ get off track. Isn't that true? Sometimes. I mean, even your best kids misbehave sometimes and have to be corrected. Correct? Sometimes God has to correct us. So we're, we're not talking about what some people would call a backslider or a backslidden Christian. And then the third assumption is this. Eternal security is about what God has done for us, not what we have done for him. That's big, folks. That's huge. In other words, salvation is not a prize we achieve. It's a gift we receive. If we didn't get it on our own, how can we lose it on our own? So then the question becomes, when God gives us the gift of salvation, will he ever take it away? Now, I know, okay, I know that there are people here who believe that you certainly can lose your salvation. Uh, if that's you, you need to know that I was with you. 20 years ago, I believed just like you believe. Um, I, I hope this doesn't sound, I don't mean this to sound arrogant or condescending, but basically I prayed and studied my way out of that position. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I grew up in a church that, that it was a week-to-week -week thing. It was almost a day-to-day -day thing. Were you saved or unsaved? There were times in my life. I, I became a Christian. I got saved when I was nine years old. There were many, many times after that when I just decided I, I can't possibly be saved. Not the way I am, not the things I do, not the thoughts I have. So I was with you. And then I come, came to understand what I was saying. First of all, I was saying I was believing something that the Bible uh, teaches expressly against. I was teaching that you could be saved, not be saved, saved, not saved, kind of like he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me. But the Bible says 
the Bible expressly teaches that if someone has been saved and is no longer saved, they cannot be renewed to repentance. They can't be brought back. You get one shot at salvation, folks. That's why what we're talking about today is so incredibly important. And here's what else that I came to understand that I was saying. I was saying that the security of my salvation depended on who? Me. Not on God. And so the extension of that is that I was, I was saying that if I kept my salvation and I made it to heaven, then I deserved some of the credit. And if I deserve some of the credit, then I deserve some of the glory. And that just can't be. There's a huge difference between someone who is sure in a relationship and safe in a relationship, but is not secure in a relationship. There's no way to be totally committed or totally uh, peaceful or totally satisfied in any relationship that we're not sure is going to last. That there's doubt about the outcome. Well, there's good news. And that is that Jesus Christ himself took on eternal security. He took it head on in an awesome passage of scripture in John chapter 10. If you've got your Bible and you want to turn there to the gospel of John chapter 10. This is not a lengthy passage of scripture, but it is filled with some powerful insights. John chapter 10, if you want to follow along, the scripture's in your message notes, it'll also be up on the screen uh, as we go along. Here in John chapter 10, Jesus uses the analogy of a shepherd and the sheep to emphasize the security that we have in our relationship with God. I want you to, to write down, I want you to fill in the blanks on three statements, they're in your notes. Keep this in, in mind as we, as we go along and as we study. The shepherd is solely responsible for the salvation of the sheep. Okay, that's kind of a no-brainer. These should, these should be very basic. The shepherd is solely responsible for the safety of the sheep. And the shepherd is solely responsible for the security of the sheep. In other words, the security of our salvation doesn't depend on how good a sheep we are but on how good a shepherd he is. Also in this passage of scripture, Jesus gives us four marks of a true believer. And if these four marks are true about us, then we can walk out that door today and know that we are saved, be sure that we are saved, and be guaranteed that we will always be saved. All we have to do is answer these four questions. I frame them as individual questions. Because each one of us has to ask them for ourselves. No one else can do it for us. Here's the first one. Here's number one. Am I connected to Christ? Am I connected to Christ? John 10, 27. This is Jesus speaking. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. Who's Jesus talking about? He's talking about his sheep. Right? He says... My sheep. Those are his followers. Those are true believers in Jesus Christ. He's not talking about how a person becomes a sheep. He's talking about the result of being a sheep. You see, we become sheep by being born again. And the result of that is that we are his sheep. 
And only his sheep are eternally secure. Remember this. Not everyone who says, bah, is a sheep. I mean, I could have rolled up in here today in an all-white wool suit chewing on grass. That don't make me a sheep. In Matthew 7, Jesus talked about some false prophets. And look at what he said about them. Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep. They look like sheep, but they're not. Jesus says they're really vicious wolves. So are you a true sheep? Really? Because Jesus says a true sheep listens to my voice. Listens to my voice. His is the only voice we listen to, the only voice we pay attention to. And then Jesus goes on to say something that strikes me as a little strange. He says, I know them. Now, it seems to me that Jesus would say, they know me. But instead, he says, I know them. Why does he say it this way? Because not everyone who says they know Jesus really truly knows Jesus. But the ones who truly know Jesus are known by him. Do you understand that? If we really want to know whether or not we are one of his sheep, we have to ask this question, does the shepherd know me? Because we can claim to know someone without uh, really knowing them. I mean, because my dad's work and the positions that he held uh, with the state of Alabama through the years, I got to meet some famous and semi-famous people. I got to meet them. I met them. I told them my name. I shook their hands. You know, I put an arm around their shoulder, had a picture made with them. But they don't know me. I can claim to know them, but they don't know me. We can claim to know someone without really knowing them. And we can claim to know someone without them knowing us. So here's a real good place to restate that Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. You see, folks, it's not what we know, but it's who we know and who knows us. Jesus said that one day there would be people who would stand before him who had claimed his name. We don't know exactly what that means, but we know that they weren't really one of his sheep because Jesus said they will say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus said, he would say, Matthew 7, 23, I never knew you. Get away from me. Depart from me. So we've got to ask ourselves this question, and we've got to be real honest. Am I truly connected to Christ? Am I born again? And that leads us to the second question. Am I committed to Christ? Am I committed to Christ? Here's the rest of John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. In other words, if we are truly sheep, we won't live like goats. We will live on the outside what we say we believe on the inside. You, you may have never noticed, or you may have noticed, that I use the phrase Christ follower and follower of Christ a lot more than I use the, the, the word Christian. You know why? So anybody can be a Christian. Anybody can, can claim to be a Christian, can call themselves a Christian. Well, I went to that one church one time. I was just an infant, but I was baptized uh, then. So I'm a Christian, right? 
You didn't have anything to do with that. You know what your role was? It's to show up and not cry. Well, I used to go to church. Went to church all my life up till however many years ago. Well, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. Well, my, my grandma went to that church. So I'm, I'm a Christian, right? My, my family bought that picture of Jesus and had a brass plaque put on it. So I'm a Christian, right? <laughs> a follower of Christ is constantly asking themselves, what would Jesus think about this? What would Jesus say about this? What would Jesus do in this situation? Anybody can say they're a Christian. But to say that we're a follower of Christ means some very important and specific things about us. One of the reasons people get confused about eternal security is because they look at people who call themselves Christian, uh, but it's pretty obvious they're not living like Christians. It's easy to get the idea that, to those people at least, eternal security is like some kind of fire insurance policy. So I want to say it again. Not everyone who says they are a sheep is really a sheep. I've seen a lot of people in my years of ministry who have walked down an aisle, filled out a card, got in a baptistry, and three months later, the FBI couldn't find them. And I just tell you that I believe the vast majority of those people were never truly born again. They never surrendered to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. They, they never became committed followers of Jesus. <laughs> because you haven't already guessed the truth is, I believe, that if you have it, you never lose it. And if you lose it, you've never had it. Can I show you a verse of Scripture that some people here did not know was in their Bible? It's in, it's in 1 John chapter 2. Not the Gospel of John, 1 John, way on back toward Revelation in the back. I read this Bible, dozens, or this verse, dozens and dozens and dozens of times, and I didn't know it was in my Bible. You know what I'm saying? Listen to this. It's the same guy. This is John, the Apostle John, the follower of Jesus. He said, these people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved they did not belong with us. Now, you may have a translation that says, these people went out from us, but they never were of us. If they were, they would not have departed from us. They were not of us. They were not of the same makeup, of the same character, of the same relationship with God that we are. And the proof of that was that they walked away from it. So let me make something real plain. There are some here who doubt you have a relationship with God, and you should because you don't. You've never really committed everything you are to Jesus Christ because once you do, He will take care of everything forever. So ask yourself the question, am I committed to Christ? Am I connected to Christ? Am I committed to Christ? And then the third question, number three, am I confident in Christ? John 10, 28. This is Jesus speaking. I give them eternal life. 
Now, we all, parents, we all kind of parent in similar fashion. Most of us are not, don't try anything real strange or bizarre. We all kind of parent in similar fashion. And we used a, a system with our children, particularly when we went into public. It was called the reward system. And the reward system worked like this. We would roll up at, at uh, Target or Walmart or the mall or wherever we were going to be. And, uh, and Dad would kind of state it in plain language. If you behave, or the way we always said it, which was wrong, we probably shouldn't have, but we said, if you are good, if you are good while we were in here, you will get a reward. You'll get some candy. You'll get something that you want. But if you are bad when we were in here, I'll kill you. That's how the reward system works. That's why my children have turned out to be the well-adjusted examples of Christian manhood that they are. This is really the heart of this whole thing, folks. Because Jesus doesn't say, I reward them with eternal life. They were good, and so I rewarded them with eternal life. Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I I sell them eternal life, or I trade something with them for eternal life. Jesus says, I what? Give Give them eternal life. It all comes down to two words, give and eternal. Think about it like this. If eternal life is not earned by being good, then it can't be lost by being bad. How many times have you heard me say, we stay in, how? Like we got in. We stay in like we got in. The same way that we're saved is the same way we're safe. And the same way we're safe is the same way we're secure. How are we saved? We're saved by grace. How are we safe? We're safe by grace grace. How are we secure? We are secure by grace. We get into the family of God the same way, or we stay in the family of God the same way we got in, and it's all by God's grace. Now I want you to notice something else Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say, I will give them eternal life. No, he said, I give them eternal life. Eternal life is not something we get when we die. It's something we get when we believe. John chapter 3 verse 36 says, anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Some people think they get eternal life when they die and go to heaven. Well, here's a news flash for you. If we don't have eternal life before we die, we're not going to get it after we die. We either have it now and forever, or we don't have it at all. What does eternal mean? Forever. If we have eternal life today, but five years from now we lose it, guess what? We didn't have eternal life. We had five-year life. Jesus never promises his followers five-year life, or ten-year life, or a hundred-year life, or a million-year life. He promises us eternal life. 
if you've ever bought anything ex expensive, like a car, big screen TV, maybe a refrigerator. There are five words that can make you weep and cry and scream and faint and shake and collapse and even consider suicide. And those words are, the warranty has run out. Well, I've got good news. When we become connected to Christ and committed to Christ, we can be confident that we are under His eternal warranty and it never, ever runs out. That's why Jesus goes on to say this in verse 28, John 10, 28. And they will never perish. He's talking about you and me, folks. And they will never perish. I read the other day about a golfer named Doug Ford. He is the oldest living winner of the Masters. He won in 1957. And, he, and even though he played in the Masters every year after that for what, some 44 years? He played till through 2001. He never won it again. 44 times he played. He never won it again. In fact, in all that time, he only broke par one more time. And after 1971, he never even made the cut. You know, why in the world is a guy like that invited back every year to play in the tournament? You golfers know why. It's because on one single occasion, he got to put on the green jacket. He won it one time. That meant he was going to be invited back to play every single year after that. Our salvation is linked to one event. To one event, folks. And if we've been born again and we've become true followers of Jesus, we never have to requalify, regardless of our performance or our abilities. We have eternal life that never ends. And then the last question that we have to ask, number four, am I covered by Christ? Let's look at the rest of verse 28 and verse 29, John 10, 28, 29. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hands. Now let me tell you how I explained that verse, those verses away 20 years ago when I believed that you could lose your salvation. I would say, well, no, of course. No one can snatch us from the Father's hand, but we can walk away from the Father's hand. That was before I understood what this verse meant. Now, I need an assistant, a helper, who will come up here on stage and help me. I need somebody with small hands, smaller hands. Come on, don't be shy. Quickly. Anybody that understands English, come on. Here you go. You're coming. Here we go. Test. Thank you. Oh, well. I think it'll be small enough for this demonstration. How about that? Now, this is kind of a rough-looking character, if you can see him up close. Okay? But this represents you and me. Now, here's, here's what we're going to do. When we're born again, we get put into Jesus' hand. I just want you to wrap your hand around that just nice and tight so that no one could come up and just pull him, pull him out. Might pull his head off, but not pull him out. Okay? All right? That's us right there. But here's what Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us that we are actually in a double grip. 
That's what he says in this verse, that we are encased in a double wall of security because not only are we in Jesus' hands, but Jesus' hands are in God's hands. So there's a double wall, a double grip of security around us. How are you going to walk away from that? I, I would dare say there's nobody here that could come up here and pull this little action figure out of our hands. You might pull his head off, like I said, but you're not going to pull him out of there. Thank you, Pastor. We are in the grip of Jesus Christ, and then we and he are in the grip of the Father. We're in the grip of Jesus. His grip is in the hands of the Father. Now listen, our security is not based on us holding on to God. It's based on him holding on to us. Do you realize what that means? It means that we are just as secure as God is. Can you imagine a power strong enough to pry open the hand of Jesus and then pry open the hand of God? I, I know two things. We can't do it and the devil can't do it. Well, how do you know the devil can't do it? Well, think about it. If he could, he would. But he doesn't, so he can't. And here's what's more. If he can do it and he doesn't, then guess what that means? We're not saved by the grace of God. We're saved by the goodness of the devil. Isn't that right? Well, somebody says, well, God could do it. Well, yeah, he could. But he won't. That's what Jesus has been saying to us. That's what John 6, 37 says, where Jesus says, those the Father have given, has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. Now, you can't see it in the New Living Translation, but there's a double negative in that verse in the original language. It literally says, the ones who come to me, I will absolutely, positively, never, not ever, no, never throw out. It is as strong and emphatic as it is possible for the Greek language to be. And so here we are. We know that our relationship rests with His power and not ours. That our safety is in His strength, not our strength. And our protection depends on His grip on us, not our grip on Him. You just don't get any more secure than that. I was reading recently about how the Secret Service works to protect the President of the United States. Especially when he travels, they utilize something that is called the three perimeter philosophy. They set three boundaries. The outer boundary, the outer perimeter is called the show of force. That's the barricades on, along the sidewalks. That's the uniformed police officers and law enforcement officers lined up on the streets. Their job is simply to keep people a safe distance away from wherever it is the president is going to be. And inside of that, they set up a, a second boundary, a middle perimeter uh, made up of Secret Service agents and uniformed police tactical teams standing at post. This is known as the CAT team, the counter-assault team. They are so heavily armed that they could take over most small countries. And their task is to completely encircle the building. They're on rooftops. They're in doorways. Their job is to make sure that anyone who somehow gets past the outer boundary gets no further 
at least not without looking like Swiss cheese. And finally, there's the inner boundary, and that's the president's personal so, uh, uh, secret service uh, detail. Their job is to see to it that if anyone gets through those other two uh, boundaries, that they, they are stopped at all costs. And they take all kinds of other security measures. They, um, before the president steps off an elevator, an agent, a secret service agent, steps into the hallway to make sure no, no one is standing around or milling around in the hallway. In fact, no one is allowed to be in a hallway or stairway except the president and his secret security detail. And with all of that, the retired agent that was talking about this said this, with all the show of force, the weaponry, and the precautions, any secret, servant, secret service agent who is honest will tell you this. If a person is absolutely, completely determined to get to the president, they may very well be able to do so because not even the secret service can give a 100% guarantee of total security. But Jesus said that once we are under the protection of our Heavenly Father, no one, nothing can get to us. There's only one thing greater than having a relationship with God. And that's knowing that we have a relationship with Him. The only thing greater than knowing that we have a relationship with God is knowing that we can never, ever lose it. Because of God's sovereign grace and because of His love, we never will. It's guaranteed. It's a lifetime guarantee. Bow your heads, please, as I pray.